come before the Lord. A gracious Heavenly Father, we want to give praise and honor to you this morning as we come before. I pray and ask that you will shine your light upon us as we reflect upon your word and as we come before you that you may give us humility and humble heart that we may be able to hear what you're about to reveal to us and teach to us. And I just pray that you will take this time to bring glory and honor and blessing to all of us here today. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, uh, please turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. This is the word of the Lord. But whenever, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteous of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and of the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So far, the reading of God. As we come to an end, as we come to the end of our summer, summer series on personal worship, I would like to use this time to, with you to seek after the great joy that is found in knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. And knowing Jesus Christ does not just come with our head knowledge, but knowing Jesus Christ should come from our hearts. And he needs to reflect that. And I would like for you to take this time to maybe for you to reflect upon your own life in the past of where you were. Do you still remember the night or the day that you met Jesus Christ for the, same, uh, for the first time and that you dedicated your life to him? Do you remember that time? Well, for me, that time came when I was in the high school. You know, I grew up in a Christian family and... If I wanted to be a little proud, in my family, I'm a fourth-generation Christian, and I was born into a Christian family, and I was raised in a Christian family, and I was baptized in a Christian family, and I lived throughout my life learning the Word of God through Sunday school and through high school and youth group and, and through college and things. But, you know, I still remember the night during my junior year in high school. We went to a retreat out in the Poconos, and that night, during the evening worship service, I remember the time that even though I learned everything and everything was in my head of who God was and who Jesus was, and he was on that night as the word of God was preaching, everything fell into his pieces. 
and I realize that Jesus indeed is my Lord and my Savior. Do you guys remember your personal conversion, the first time that Jesus came into your life? Well, today's passage talk about Paul's encounterment with Jesus, the first time that Jesus actually came and met with Apostle Paul. For some of you, your experience of meeting Christ might not be to the extreme of the way that Apostle Paul had been, but maybe for you, it might be just plain old simple thing because you grew up in Christian family, because you grew up in the knowledge of God, because of the fact that you are well-trained in the Word of God. But as we look upon our text today, it talks about the new joy that Apostle Paul finds in knowing Jesus Christ. It is his personal testimony that we see here. You all know who Paul is, right? Because if you're a Christian, you should all know who Paul is, right? If you don't know Paul, raise your hand, right? I hope nobody does, right? We all know who Paul is. And then when we look at his passage, and the earlier verses in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5 and following, the text describes the, 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 who he was prior to knowing Jesus Christ, and in today's passage, it presents the changes that is taking place after him meeting Jesus Christ. As we continue on this morning, I want to ask you, how is your relationship with the Lord today? How is your relationship with Jesus this morning? You know, if you would ask me this morning, I would have said my relationship with this morning is a little down, down low. Why? Because in the morning it was hard getting up, getting, helping my wife getting ready for, uh, to come to church because we have two little ones. And sometimes, you know how it is in the morning, if you have little ones, you're literally ready to pull your hairs out. Why? Because they're not listening to you, they're not eating the breakfast in the way that you want them to eat. Right? If you would have asked me this question, how is your relationship with, your, with, with Jesus this morning? I would have said, um, ask me later on this afternoon. <laughs> right? But you know what? One of the greatest things that I, that I have experienced of coming to this church is for the fact that we have people in our church that who loves the pastoral staff of this church. You know, Elias and Christine gave me a call Friday morning and left a message in my voicemail saying, I'll be praying for you throughout this week as you prepare your message. And at the end of the message, they said, please, find us before at 1020. We would like to sit down with you and pray for you. You know, when that happened, whatever that happened to me in the morning with my son and my daughter, the frustration and anger, my relationship with the Lord was like, Lord, why is this happening to me now? To, as they were sitting down with me to pray with me, everything changed. Why? Because the thing that mattered the most is my relationship with the Lord. If I'm up here preaching the Word of God, and if I'm still thinking about what Enoch did or what Chloe did in the morning, I would be a wreck. I wouldn't be able to preach to you. But because of the fact that we have Jesus Christ that who loves each and every one of you who are here this morning, 
that we could say and we could commit to the joy that Christ brings into our lives. And as we spend this time together learning from Paul's personal experience of growing in Christ, I would like to suggest two things that we could find in our text. Overarching theme of today's message is the joy that Christ brings in your relationship with Him. But there's two parts of it. That first part is the old life that we used to live without Christ, a life in a spiritual bankruptcy. And then as you meet Jesus Christ, you are entering into a new life, a new life under the rulership and kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that in that new life, there is spiritual wealth that we could find only in Jesus Christ. So as we start this morning, let me just briefly unpack of what we see in our old self, in our old life, the life in a spiritual bankruptcy. In verses 7 and 8, what you see and what you can notice, first and foremost, is what Paul is writing about is his own personal testimony. If you would sit down and count, you know, as you read from verses 7 through 11, you know, there's so many I, 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 and me in there. It's, it's making it very personally approaching to us. And, he, and as he writes, there is great longing and desperation on his part to seek after Jesus and for him to come into his life. And it is for this very reason that Paul is fully aware of his spiritual weaknesses or the spiritual bankruptcy that he has, the needs. Don't we, aren't, aren't we all in need today as we come before the Lord? Even as a Christians, we, even though we might be you know, 20-year veteran or 30-year veteran Christians, we still have needs when we come before God. And that need could only be fulfilled in Jesus Christ and knowing in him and what he has done for us and in our lives. And as Jesus revealed himself to Paul, he, comp- he comprehends where he stands spiritually. Where he stands spiritually. And as Jesus reveals himself to Paul, he he knows that he is spiritually bankrupt. I don't know how many of you have actually filed for bankruptcy before, but do you guys know what bankruptcy is? Living in Long Island, you know, there's so many wealthy people. Maybe some, because of that fact, some people might not know what bankruptcy means, but you know, bankruptcy means that you have no money. It's, it's basically you're in red. You borrow so much money that you have no way of paying that loan back. And that's why you file for bankruptcy. But if you look at the biblical, state, a biblical standpoint or biblical time period, if somebody owes you money and if they cannot pay you back, what happens? They have a right to throw that person to jail until that person could pay every single cent back to that person. You know, it's that kind of stage that Paul feels where he was spiritually before meeting Christ. Can you say, can you think to yourself, I'm the same way. I'm the same way before I met Jesus Christ. 
Before I met Jesus Christ, I lived the life that I desired to live. It was me, myself, and I, right? I become the central point and central part to the world because the world revives around me, right? And it still does, even though I have Christ in my heart. But what, what happens is that because Christ lives within us, that kind of heart changes. And I think it's very important for us to consider where Paul was before we start and before we even go anywhere. If we look at verses 5 and 6 of Philippians chapter 3, it says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor, persecutor of a church as to righteousness under the law, blameless. These two verses have a lot to unpack, but because of the time that period that we have, I'll, we'll take a brief observation here. When you read these two verses out of context, you know, it could, people could say, wow, this guy is good if they're not Christian or if they're you know, really religious in a way of keeping the law. Because what is it saying? Circumcised on the eighth day, people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and the list goes on. And this is what? What, what is this? This is his personal what? Achievement. Who he is, right? As a person. And this was the list that he had. And do you think that those lists could bring him salvation? Or bring him a hope? Or bring him the joy that is found in Jesus Christ? No. Nothing can bring joy if you will rely upon these kind of items or lists that, that is found according to what Paul is saying. And that's what Paul is saying, that he's not, he's not happy to say these things. As he probably, as he is writing these verses, he's probably saying, you know, this is who I was. I'm embarrassed. Even though this might have been my own achievements, I'm embarrassed in front of Jesus Christ. I'm embarrassed. Didn't you feel that way when you first came to know Jesus Christ? When he went, bam, this is who I am. And you're like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, God. All the things that I have done, everything comes in a video, right? It comes down. Every little single details of the wrongs that you have done, it comes to us. And he's standing and he's saying that he is not proud of it because this is what led him to spiritual bankruptcy. That he's not, he is in need rather than he is wealthy in a way. This is very impressive towards, you know, if you are a Jew, right? As a Jew, if you would say these things to them, to other fellow Jews, they'd be like, wow. You are a holy, holy man. You know, I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you. But that's not the case here. The case here is the fact that when, when Paul meets Jesus for the first time, all of these kind of human achievements that is in front of him becomes nothing. 
becomes rubbish, becomes lost. The issue for Paul's spiritual bankruptcy was blinded by his own humanly achievements. Let me ask you a question this morning. What are some things that are blinding you to see clearly who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you at the cross? What, are, what is it? Well, I could name a couple of examples of the things that I might see in myself that I'm blinded sometimes to know and to have relationship with Jesus. Is you know, one of the things that I, I, I always do is religious performance, right? Religiously, you know, I want to be a holy person. So I go, to, you know, when I was younger, I would go to church like hour early and then leave hour late and serve and clean and do things because, you know, a lot of times people are thinking that if you work for, if you work, 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 what happens? You could gain that righteousness. And people will say, you know, that Tay guy right there, he is holy man, because of the fact that he comes away before everybody comes and prepares everything and cleans up everything before he leaves, right? A religious performance. That could be blinding factor for us to have relationship with, the, with Jesus. Another thing could be ethical pride that we have, how holy life that we live from the standpoint of being legalistic mindset of keeping the law and observing the law. And that could many times blind us. And another thing that could blind people to know Jesus is our ethnic background, our roots. You know, one of the funny stories that I will, sh- I will share with you this morning is, is this, that I, I, before I came to this church, I served in a Korean-American church context. And, and in my youth group, there was about... 40 or 50 youth group kids at that time. And when, when I asked them, hey, wh- what kind of nationality do you have? They said, they're an American, and they're proud of it. You know? But the saddest part comes when the World Cup comes, the soccer World Cup comes, as well as you know, when the Olympic comes. You know, even though they said that they're American, when those times come, they put on the red shirt to represent the color of Korea, and they said, go Korea! You know, maybe some of you might, might feel that, and sometimes that would blind us of being who we are. That would, blind, that would be a blinding factor of knowing who Jesus really is. What about stubbornness? So stubbornness is one thing that everybody has. You know, I'm very stubborn in my way of thinking and in my way, simple way of looking at life. And sometimes that could blind me or blind us to see and have true meaning of who Jesus really is and can be. Maybe some of us, or I'll say nine out of ten, this is the big thing that I always say, money is a blinding factor. You know, because we all need money. We all need money to put the food on the table to, for us to send our kids to school and do things and do that. And to some, fame is another thing that would blind you of seeing Jesus Christ clearly. To some, it could be friends. You know, when you're growing up as a teenager, I know how you guys feel, teenagers. 
right? Because during that time, only thing matters is your relationship with your best friend, right? You guys could call it what? BFF, right? Your best friend, right? Best friends for life, right? Or something, right? That friend could be the blind, blinding factor of seeing and, and knowing who Jesus really is. And it is important for you to seek after such things that might cause you to be blinded so that you could finally come to realization of seeing and finding the joy that's only be found in, in Jesus Christ. Because some of you are, I don't want to offend anyone, so I won't say that, but, you know, we, we are all at a different stage of our lives, right? Okay? And we all have, this, have, have experienced different things because of our age, right? Because of our age, you know, some of the, some of the um, um, spiritually mature people have different, <laughs> different way of seeing things and understanding to some of the younger Christians or younger people. And I think what, what we have to know and, and, and see is this, that whatever it is that might be blinding you to see Jesus Christ, you need to lay it before, before God today and ask God, God, these are the things that I'm currently struggling with. If you're just going to know the things that you're struggling, then, then what good is it? You need to lay it before God and ask God, God, these are some of the things that I am facing right now. How can I find joy in you through these kind of circumstances? And I think, those, I think that's the kind of idea that, that needs to be played in our, in our mind. And I think this is, this is why it's so important for me to go back to what Pastor John mentioned last week in his sermon, there was a statement in last week's sermon that he said, Christianity is not just informational, but what is it? It's transformational. Right? Christianity is not only about receiving information. Right? It is about transforming our lives and transforming our hearts so that our hearts will no longer look after us, but look after for Christ and what God intends to do. And I think this statement is very fitting here because of the fact that it's ta- we're talking about Paul's previous life and present life. Think about all the information and the teachings that he had. You know, he probably exceeded in every way and direction possible as to a Jewish little boy as growing up. Because he had that kind of so much knowledge and and everything that was in his head, it never came to a place where it's most important to the heart. So that transformation will take place. And it is for this this reason that Paul is stating anything he valued, anything that he gained without Christ, what what does he say? He's saying everything is a loss for the sake of knowing Jesus, for the sake of having found greatest pleasure and joy in Jesus Christ. 
right? Verse 7 and 8, Paul clearly states, whatever he gained, whatever I gain, I count them as lost for the sake of Christ in verse 7. But he doesn't stop there. He continues on, and he comes for more in verse 8 by saying, and he affirms what he said in verse 7, indeed, I count everything as lost. My pride, everything that I had, everything that I have accumulated up to this point, all the brownie points that you have accumulated is gone, is rubbish, is a waste. And this is the powerful testimony that we need to see and observe. And can you say this kind of statement as you come before Jesus Christ today? Can you say, everything that I treasured up to this point, which is not compared as to important as Jesus Christ, I'm going to put those things away so that I may find joy and happiness in life so that I will grow in the knowledge of Him so that I could be able to praise and worship and bring glory and honor to God. And that's why it is important for us to know it is not only the factual things that we see in the Scripture that is important. It is the way that this text, this Scripture comes into our lives so that as this work works through the work of the Holy Spirit and as we study, study the Word as we come to the Bible study or whatever that we do, worship or having fellowship group and things like that, as those things works together in our hearts and as we find Jesus in those things, then what happened? Trans- transformation happens. That's where changes take place. That's where changes take place. And that's what we see in Apostle Paul's life. His life changed upside down. His life changed upside down. Before, prior to meeting Jesus Christ, he will be probably a fanatic towards legalism or legalistic mindset of keeping the law. But after he met Jesus Christ, you know what happened to his life? His life changed upside down and he became Jesus freak. Jesus freak. And there's, there's even a song by DC Talk way back in the old days, you know. There's a song called Jesus Freak. And one of the verses says, I don't really care what the world will say to me. Only thing that matters is that I find joy and happiness and value in Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter. Isn't that kind of life what you want to model after? Because when Jesus comes into you, it transforms you. Your life changes. Your life dramatically changes after meeting with Jesus Christ. As Paul encounters Jesus, he is confessing that because God showed him so clearly the glories of Jesus, because God showed him so clearly that only Christ could be and only Christ could be the one that who saves me from my misery of my sin and my spiritual bankruptcy. And, it's only Jesus, and it is only by Christ that Christ could provide an eternal life for you and I, for us to enjoy. 
And if you are considering and counting other things for your salvation, then you're simply deceiving yourself and you're simply deceiving what Christ has done for you and in your life. Let me put it clearly and simply. Salvation isn't anything else, but it is in Jesus Christ and in Him, and in him alone. Let me repeat that. Salvation isn't anything else, but it is in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. You cannot add anything to what Jesus has done. You can't change what changed Paul's life upside down was Jesus himself. Not Jesus plus this, not Jesus plus that, but it was just Jesus. It is not Jesus with work, for some of your workaholics out there, or it's not Jesus with money, or it's not Jesus with your grades, it's not Jesus plus so and so and so, but it is just Jesus himself. And that is the only place that you could find pure joy that God will give, that God gives to you. Think for a moment, have you at any point in your life replaced Jesus with something else? Perhaps becoming as Paul of obtaining the goal through keeping the law or doing good works or simply serving others. What has guided you up to this point? And I think this, this time will be a good time for you to reflect that. What were you being blindsided by? What will you be blinded by to see and have relationship with Jesus Christ that brings everlasting joy? And as Paul sees his spiritual bankruptcy, we come to the, the, the new life that is found in Jesus Christ. And because he has Jesus Christ, now he has the purest joy out of all. A joy that only Jesus can bring. A joy that is not temporary, but joy that is eternal. That will be with you wherever you go. In the midst of Paul's spiritual bankruptcy, Jesus comes and meets him and gives him a new life and joy of knowing Jesus on a daily basis. But what, is that, what, what we have to see is that Paul is making Jesus the greatest treasure of all. Jesus becomes the greatest thing. Jesus becomes the most important thing in his life. most important thing in his life that brings transformation. When Paul accepted Jesus, he immediately, what we find in verse 9 through 11, he explains the spiritual journey, and then that's what we see here. And he sees that surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. That is the treasure that he sees in Jesus. He puts it into the teachings of Jesus Christ that is found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. We all know this passage. It's the parable of the hidden treasure or the, the precious pearl. It says this, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man finds and covers it up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in a search of fine pearls, who on again uh, finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. What Paul is doing is the very teaching that Jesus gave. When he found Jesus to be the greatest treasure, he, went, he gave everything up to just gain one single thing. And that's, this is what Jesus taught in Matthew 13, 44 to 46. The parable explains, Jesus explains that the man who found this hidden treasure, what does he do? In his what? In his sadness? Does it say in sadness? No, it doesn't say in his sadness he goes out. He says in his joy he goes and sells everything to just buy that one land to have the, the, the greatest treasure of all. Is Jesus this kind of treasure for you? If it's not, we've got to come right, right with God this morning. Because the joy only comes of knowing that treasure. For Paul, Jesus was the greatest treasure. So in joy, he gives up everything for the sake of gaining him alone and knowing him and understanding him. Since Jesus is the greatest treasure that Paul searched for, Jesus becomes his top priority in his life. Jesus doesn't go down into the, the bottom of the, the priority list. He becomes the first thing up there. He becomes the first thing. Then I want us to consider, then, then, then how do we know Jesus Christ? Then what does it mean that I know Jesus and I have relationship with him. This does not mean just knowing Jesus intellectually with our head knowledge, right? I mean, I love the fact that when I grew up in my old churches, they gave me a good teaching, and, they, and teachers were well-prepared and well-equipped, and I learned a lot. But it wasn't about that head knowledge that you received, but it is the transforming of your heart as the Holy Spirit comes into you and as you know and the truth being, is being revealed to you. It is knowing him, not from the head knowledge standpoint of view, but it's knowing him personally. In verse 8, it's saying knowing Jesus. The, the word that is being used in verse 8, knowing it comes from a Greek word, gnosko. And that word literally means not the head knowledge, but it's, it's talking about knowing someone personally or relationally or intimately. It's a relationship between what you see from, from, from a parent to a child or from a husband with wife. There's an intimacy there, isn't it? Right? There's an intimacy between a parent and a child and, and a husband and wife that no one else could have because you're who you are as that family or as, as a husband and wife. And that's the kind of knowing that Paul desires for you to have in Jesus Christ. 
that is not all that is in, in your head, it's everything that comes of having relationship. Not just learning it, but trying to flesh it out through your heart so that you will get to know and understand where Jesus is coming from and the teachings that he's bringing from. If you're making Jesus as your Lord, as we found, as, as we find in, in Philippians chapter 3 in our text, he is saying that knowing Jesus Christ as what? As my Lord, right? It's not just knowing him, but he's becoming who? He's becoming the Lord in your life. He's becoming your master. He's becoming your master for you to follow and for you to have relationship with. And I think that's one of the things that what we need to see in our lives. If you're making Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior, then don't you want to take time to get to know that person more intimately? Then how does spending time look like? Well, getting to know Jesus more in personal level, you, well, you have to be able to study the Word of God, right? You have to study the Word of God. You have to take time and in, in, in to pray to God and take very actions in, in the learning of what Jesus taught through the Gospels and, and what apostles taught throughout the whole New Testament and, and also, also in the New Te- uh, Old Testament that we have to understand the Bible in a way that it will come to us and as, we, as Jesus comes in, they will be fleshed out. And this is the, the kind of commitment that we need to be making as we want to get to know Jesus on a more personal level and having that relationship and knowing him as you find the joy that gives you power in your relationship with Jesus, then you have to make some changes that might come to you in your life. You have to be bold to make changes in your life. What could, be, what could it be? Well, you need to be willing to change your value in order to know Christ better. Because the value is different from your sinful desire standards versus where God comes from in in, in his holiness. Will you be willing to rearrange your schedule of work or school or extracurriculum activities in school in order that you could pray, you could go to, you know, for, for, for those of you who are in high school and middle school, for you to go to Christian clubs or for you to be involved in a Bible study setting and for you to be involved with other things that is found. That are you be willing to rearrange your time and, and effort so that you will get to know who Jesus Christ really is? Because a lot of times this is hard. A lot of times this is hard, especially with families with young children. It is hard to rearrange our work schedule, to rearrange our, you know, our play date schedules so that we could, what? Spend some time as a family to give God the glory and learning of who he is. Will you be willing to change some of your goals and plans and purpose in your life as you learn about Jesus Christ? Because everything needs to change. 
Everything needs to change. Not just your personal life, but everything that comes with it. As Paul becomes a follower of Jesus, he says, He is my Lord and Savior. And as he says that, what else that is coming with is that he received, we received the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to us. So as we come with Jesus, as we believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, his righteousness is being lifted up from Jesus and is coming into you. That you are declared righteous because of what Christ has done on a cross. And that this righteousness that Paul received was the very action upon Jesus which credits him to be righteous before God. And that's the same kind of righteousness that we receive as a follower of Christ. That we are credited in Jesus' righteousness. Not on our righteousness because we can't be righteous at all. And that this righteousness that you receive is the gift that God gives to you. God is the one that who is granting you this in the first place through his son Jesus Christ giving himself as a ransom. And it is for this reason that we must have faith in Jesus alone and the work that he has put on. And how are we getting his righteousness? It is through Jesus' death and the resurrection. And that's what we see here in our text. And that's what we see. We see in, in verse 10, it says, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and I may share in his suffering and become like him in his death. The, the, one of the reasons that how we, we are credited as, as, as righteousness before God is because of the fact that Jesus came and died for our sin so that that righteousness will come to us. But Jesus didn't only die for our sin, but he was resurrected. That he has power over death. He has power over things that is unseen, not only physical world, but also the spiritual aspect and spiritual world as well. That, that there's a power, in fact, in knowing Jesus that credit us through his death and his resurrection. And that is the, 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 the uniting part, that we are united with Christ by trusting in him as Paul have trusted him. And we have to see this clearly in our lives. As we enter into the newness of life, we also must to what? Die to sin. That's what he's saying, right? As we come, not only that there's a power in his resurrection, but there's a, we have to be able to die to our sin, right? Then that's what Jesus Christ is doing here. For death and resurrection goes hand in hand together. Just as resurrection gives us Jesus' power to live for him, his crucifixion marks the death of our old sinful nature in him. So that no one can 
know the victory of the power of resurrection and declaring as to be a righteous person unless if you know the power that is found in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul knew this exactly when he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. So Paul knows the resurrection power that that saved him, and he does not stop here, but he continues on saying that he wants his resurrection power. He wants the Jesus' resurrection power and what is seen here to continue to be his source and your source, resource, as you find in him. And it is for this reason Paul continues on to write in other epistles as an example that Jesus not only has a power of death, but Jesus also has the power from other uh, power to conquer temptation, power to power for service to Christ, the power to overcome trials in life that will make you strong when you're weak, and the power of witnessing and being bold in his teaching. These are the things that we gain, that, that we get. And I think this is what we have to see and understand. And as we reflect upon what Paul also teaches, that in other epistles of Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 5, he presents the idea of following Christ to be united with him in his death and his resurrection. The way that we are being united with is through baptism of Jesus Christ. And Romans, uh, Romans 6, 3 to 5 says this, Do you not know that all of us who, are, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life, for we have been united with him in a death like his, and we shall certainly be united with him in his resurrection like his. Again, the reason why Paul has given up and found what he, who he was as a, uh, in, in a prior to meeting Jesus as rubbish is because of the fact that he found that in Jesus there is power that there's power over sin, there's power over our temptations, there's power over service, power, over, power for witnessing, power over our trial. But most important power of all, he has power over death. That you and I, we don't need to fear for death anymore because of what Christ has done. Why? Because, because we will be alive with Christ. We will be alive with Christ in a final day. And as we come to the end of our passage, Paul is looking forward to the end. Just as Jesus was exalted after his resurrection, so also we will one day share in Jesus' glory. We all know that one day, sooner or later, every one of us are going to die. But there is a hope that is found in Jesus Christ of knowing him and understanding him. Where are you standing today in your relationship with Jesus? Can you confess that you have 
joy in knowing Jesus? Does your life reflect the joy that is found in Jesus? As I conclude this morning, as Paul found a new joy in Jesus, it is with this joy that he he becomes so happy and that he makes his confession. And we all know this, this, this Bible verse in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says what? For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who have given up for me. Paul is summarizing of our text today by saying that we, you, as a church, we all need to have this kind of relationship and bondage in your personal relationship. Are you refreshed every morning when you wake up thinking that, yes, I'm going to be living my life that brings glory and honor to God? I don't know how many of you are thinking that way. I don't know how many of you are thinking that way. But the truth of the matter is, we need to be dedicating our life to Him. We need to be able to preach the message of the gospel in our days, daily as we wake up in the morning, as we go to work, as we go to school, as we go to play with our friends, being able to preach that gospel every day so that you will know the overflowing glory and overflowing joy that comes to you as you get to know Jesus. Do you guys all remember the purpose statement of our church? Our purpose statement of our church is what? To, to know Christ and make him known. So do you really know Jesus Christ? Do you really have and long for your personal worship every day of your life to be re- refreshed? Preaching the gospel to yourself daily by saying, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I I live in the flesh, I live by faith in God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can you find the pure joy that only Jesus can bring to your life? And I pray that this will be same for you. Let us pray. Father, we lift up this time to you. We bring glory and honor to you. Lord, we do confess that before we met you and have you in our lives, we lived in a life of spiritual bankruptcy. That we have so much debt that we have accumulated. But as soon as we met you and you came into our lives, We have a new life that is found in you. And Lord, we praise you for that and we thank you for that. So Lord, I pray that as we make a commitment this afternoon, as we come together as a whole church, as well as individually, may we make and may we stand in knowing Jesus to be the central part of our lives that brings eternal joy as Christians. So, Lord, I thank you and I pray 
in Jesus' name. Amen.